And I am Corey. And this is Movie Shelf. Where we talk about movies, movie trivia, and just about anything related to pop culture. We're glad you're here. In today's episode, we're talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Woo-hoo! My love-hate relationship with reserved seating. <laughs> Movies we're looking forward to, and of course, we'll enjoy a side of bacon. Good mm, bacon. All right, Corey. Plain and simple, like or dislike? I loved it. Yeah, I like this movie too. It was really cool. All right, so, Corey, what's the movie about? Okay, so a little synopsis of the film. Mm-hmm. It definitely plays off of the popular scientific theory that we live in one universe and a whole bunch of parallel universes to where each decision a person could make or makes could go one of two ways, which creates a, another parallel universe, uh, I guess you could say. I guess I was just thinking there were different dimensions. Yes, yeah, different dimensions. So, to clarify, this movie, or the story of the Miles Morales Spider-Man does not take place in our universe. It takes okay. place in a parallel universe. Okay? And in this parallel universe, the Kingpin, the big bad baddie, <laughs> lost his family in an incident. Mm-hmm. And he creates a dimensional portal to try and grab a copy of his wife and kid from another dimension into his own. Which, Which then kind of makes you think, what happened cruel. to the Kingpin yeah. in that movie then? <laughs> He's great. He only thinks about himself. He's a he's a villain, and that's typical villain thinking. You just think mm-hmm. about yourself. So, in trying to accomplish this, there's a mishap, and a whole bunch of other Spider Men or, or women, Spider, spider People, or gets things, pulled in from things. other parallel universes into this one, and it creates havoc. <laughs> but some fun, fun havoc. havoc. Yeah. It's fun havoc, definitely. All right. Who are some of these Spider-Men? Well, the main one, the Miles Morales Spider-Man, he's played by a guy by the name of Shamik Moore. I don't know him. I looked up some other stuff he's done. Not familiar with him. But uh, the so in the story, the Spider-Man from our known universe gets pulled into theirs. Our Peter Parker gets pulled pulled into these the other parallel dimension, played by Jane Johnson, and he's a comic relief actor sometimes uh, he was Tom Mummy? Cruise's sidekick yeah. in the, the the recent Mummy movie and and other things and he was also in the, the new girl he was on that show. oh yeah. yeah and you also have Chris Pine playing another Peter Parker you have Nicolas Cage playing a Spider-Man noir Peter Parker and you have some other known actors such as uh, Mahershala Ali which we recently reviewed and loved mm-hmm. and he plays a, another key character in this movie. Not, not a Spider-Man, but another key character. So, yeah, I mean, but uh, it, it is very well written. It is very enjoyable. There's a lot of ton-of-cheek puns, which is definitely not done in a bad way. It's definitely done in, yeah, it's in a good way. Yeah, it's very cleverly, really, very clever comedy throughout the movie. So I thought it was fun because we saw this with my brothers um, and their kiddos, and then we also had my dad with us, and um, and I think when my the, the move the moment the movie was over, my dad was quick to exclaim that he liked it. And this is not this is a person who doesn't really like superhero movies. Most he definitely doesn't really like the Spider Man movies. And not normally crazy about animated movies. Yeah, um, but this one surprised him. So he actually um, was saying, "Hey, it's a Spider Man movie. I like." I'm assuming he was able to quickly pick up on the clever 
jokes that were throughout the movie, yeah. probably. And it's definitely it's definitely fun watching the Miles character learn his skills or learn other Peter Parker skills, and it's just goofy and fun. Um, and I enjoyed it. I also thought it was really it was beautifully animated. I thought it's not you know computer looking animation. I thought it was interesting as we were watching. We did not see it in three D, but there were moments where the the art looked almost like double. It was kind of this weird little double image look, and part of me thought it reminded me of looking at a comic strip, like in a newspaper. Um, if you've seen when you look at the print, because they probably do color over color over color, yeah. and sometimes it doesn't quite line up, it had that vibe to me. So I, I felt, for me, I thought it was possibly done purposefully. Um, it's not that because I kept on being asked, like, is this supposed to be three D? Because it looked like when you're watching a three D movie and you don't have your glasses on, it kind of had that vibe to it. Or as what goes through my head sometimes, oh man, that seemed like it'd be an awesome scene to see in three D. Yeah. Well, and that, I got that for some of them, but this is more so just that weird little double color look. Yeah. Um, And I think for me, and what I'm hoping for, is they were just trying to cleverly make it look like a comic book. Because as you're watching the movie, you'll see little comet bubbles or thought bubbles up here. So it definitely looks like that literal comic book coming to Life. life. And I think I'm hoping for that's why they had that double color not lined up kind of look on some of the scenes. But I have read some comments saying that this is a good one to see in 3D, so I definitely want to re-catch this in the theater whilst they're there in 3D to see, you know, how much more enjoyment there are there is in that aspect which that's always that's always great when you watch a movie and you're ready to see it again i know when we saw the most recent live action spider-man movie the tom holland one um you loved know, it great can't say yeah, enough good things like, about it the moment we were done watching that my brother was like he wanted just to stay and watch the next showing of it um just because it was that fun and that great I just really enjoyed all these different personality types of all these different types of spider people. The, um, I yeah, think you're saying that because there was one girl <laughs> spider character. There were two. And there was a pig. And oh, the, you're right. There, were there was a machine that, that was a spider. That. that was her dad. So there was all you're sorts correct. of spider people or things, creatures. Who knows? Um, so obviously the Miles Morales, um, it, was, it was fun seeing his personality really develop and become his Spider-Man. Um, Definitely an origin story for that Spider-Man. Yeah, I think I think you were saying that the Jake Johnson Spider-Man is our Spider-Man in a sense. Yeah, like so Earth that's Spider-Man that's pulled from our known universe yeah. into that other parallel dimension, um, and it's the- a a older, more <laughs> sarcastic, more like, eh, I'm almost tired of being Spider-Man type of Spider-Man. Yeah, he's kind of <laughs> lost his spark a little. <laughs> And, Which um, this movie, I guess, could have had a little, kind of regained that spark a little yeah, bit. There, so. Everyone has to find some things. The the Gwen Stacy Spider Man, she was definitely sassy and fun, and um, our l- little nephew um, was quick to say that his dad, so my brother, um, my brother was saying that I guess that was his favorite one because he felt she was the most acrobatically talented spider person of that crew. Um, the, the little, the ham, the porker, um, you know, was... If Porky, Porky the pig got bit by radioactive spider being yeah. Spider-Man, basically. And, um, so that was, that was interesting. The the girl, I wasn't really digging the, the Penny Parker, um, just because I don't really yeah, always like I that animation style. I identified with myself. That was, that was a little bit more... 
more weird than even with the other weirdness that was going on. But then again, I do adore the fact that um, Nicolas Cage was the Spider-Man noir. Um, and I think he was perfect for that because he's got that kind of sleepy way to talk sometimes. Yeah. And it went, it just and went that, and that great with that. And that 20s detective type of mentality. And it was fun <laughs> to see him being fascinated by a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it was definitely a lot of fun. I really enjoyed all the different personality types coming together, helping each other work um, on this goal to um, get things fixed. Also, and I think you would probably appreciate this, not only was there, of course, the fun Stanley cameo, um, but there was a nice little tribute um, Additional for him at, tribute the end, at the end. Yes. Um, with a, a nice message, um, a quote essentially that he's, um, that he, I guess, once said. But Everybody can be a hero. Yeah. So it was, it was very nice. All right, so I'm pretty sure we know the answer, but what's the verdict, Corey? Does it make the show? Oh, it's going to make the physical shelf. It's going to make the <laughs> digital shelf so I can have it on the go. It's probably going to be on every shelf that, that we have. <laughs> I bet this is going to be, you know, the, the, one of those movies that when I come home, it's just always on. Because that's what you do. You watch movies over and over and over again. And I would say, yes, um, it's definitely going to be on the shelf. It's already on my mental shelf. And um, I'm already ready for the sequel. Your love-hate relationship with assigned seating. Go ahead and start us off on that. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a love-hate relationship. It's super convenient. I would say I lean more toward the love versus the hate by, by far. Um, but, yeah, with the new lounge seating in the theaters close to us, it's assigned seating or reserved seating, which is very convenient for planning ahead. And, you know, I love to plan ahead. Especially if it's just for the two of us, because then we can get the awesome good seats without having to get there half hour before the movie starts. Right. Or we can, like, be planning on a meeting, or not a meeting, but planning on a movie and kind of like, oh, nope, actually, they're all filled up. So either we need to go to a different theater with open seating or plan another time. Oh, so you don't even bother trying to go to that theater to yeah, get if, a last if, minute If we're going to be, like, seat. you know, the, the neck stretched up kind of seats, then we don't even plan on that theater. We'll yeah. just go to another theater. And uh, But the other issue is actually, or the issue is, I guess, with planning with big groups. So I think you made a little cute little comment earlier that the, the reserve seating is great for, you know, couples, but bad for groups. And what we mean by this is when you're planning with groups, you know, I can get my tickets and you can get your tickets, but they may not end up in the same row or the same, you know, just next to each other. Yeah, with a large group, you would have to do one of two workarounds, seems like. Either one person buys all the tickets for everybody, mm -hmm. but then you got the annoyance fight of having to collect money from everybody, and you hate reminding people, hey, I haven't got your, your movie tickets yet. Although, fortunately, in our experience, they've everyone's paid, like, right there, then and there, which is nice. Or you have to do, like, this cloak and dagger mass communication back for the, oh, I got these seats. You try to get seats around the seats that I have bought, and then, but then there's a, a very careful timing factor that starts yeah. going to play. So other people don't get the seats that's next to you before the person you're communicating with does, especially if it's a hot movie or whatever. Yeah. And that's probably one advantage to where the non-assigned scene comes to play, because if you've got a large group, hey, you can just all meet there a half hour before movie starts, get out some seat, bada-bing, there you go. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what happened with us with our Spider-Man movie. We saw it with my brothers, 
And um, we were in one row, and they were a few rows ahead of us. So, yeah, we saw it together. But, yeah, we also didn't quite see it all together. But it was totally fine. We went back out to the, out to the theater at the end of the movie, and we did our movie consultation. <laughs> um, we definitely did a better job with our sneak. This is a little sneak preview of our upcoming pod, um, podcast where we saw Aquaman. And, um, you know, my brother got his tickets, and then I quickly got my tickets. And then I think he quickly got another ticket for my other brother. And so we all got to see it together. Oh, did you just leak what our next movie show for us? I did. Oh, oh. oh no. <laughs> spoiler um, alert. But yeah, not too much of a spoiler. <laughs> but yeah, that'll be our next episode, which was, but we won't say anything about it. Um, but also, it came into play when we wanted to go see They Shall Not Grow Old with my parents. And I thought maybe it would be better to go ahead and get it at a theater where we can reserve the seats. That way, timing isn't an issue. We don't have to rush to get there. Um, but by the time I had that thought, all those seats were basically taken. So I stuck with my original plan of just going um, to an open seating theater and just getting there. Well, well that's an interesting planning ahead because you try to get a ticket and you already, and then by already found out, well, this theater's already filled up. Yeah. <laughs> so it is very helpful, I think, to still have open seating theaters in your little community um, because there are times where I think we did it with Star Wars, or for Han Solo, I think, it, or the Solo movie. I think we're like, we want to see it opening night, but we hadn't already gotten our tickets, so the reserve seating theater is already out of, you know, as an option because either we're craning our necks way up high or they're just already booked or full. So, so we went a bad dash it. for the open seating. Yeah, and it worked out perfect because we, we, we like that theater. So anyway, like I said, it's a love-hate relationship, but I prefer having it than not having it. Um, but I also like having the open seating option available too. So I like options. I like options too. <laughs> All right. And now it is time for our picks of the week. And we'll start with you, Heather. All right. So my pick, um, I decided to kind of stick in, stay in the animated genre. And my pick of the week is Return of the Joker. Ooh. So this is a movie that actually, Corey, you introduced to me a long time ago. um, Because I don't think we've actually totally revealed everything. But first off, Corey is a superhero fanatic. Um, He loves all things pretty much superhero-oriented. And um, definitely enjoys all types of superhero movies. And for you comic book fans out there, I am both a Marvel and a DC fan. Yes. Maybe leaning leaning towards Marvel. (laughs) I tend to more so appreciate the DC world um, better. I think we have both decided that, at least when in the animated world, DC is usually stronger because their writing is usually more mature and um, even a little dark sometimes. It's just stronger and usually clever. However... In the live-action world. Oh, well, but however... Okay. (laughs) This Spider-Man movie, the Spider-Verse one, I think definitely... Rises to the challenge um, for the animated movies for superhero type movies. Uh, but yes, in the live action world, unfortunately. Marvel is ruling. Marvel is definitely ruling. They're definitely doing a better job. But going back to the animated world, um, Return of the Joker, like I said, is one that you've introduced to me a long time ago. Uh, and I found it absolutely fascinating because I guess before I had seen it, most. 
superhero animated type of things I've seen were either very, you know, perhaps silly or something of that sort. Uh, but this one, I was like, I think I mentioned to you, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of dark. <laughs> it's not, to me, it's not really a kid's animated movie. I mean, I mean, it's fine for kids. Yeah. You know, our little nephew got to watch it just recently. Um, but it's a lot definitely... Of the, a lot of the animated movie definitely deals with adult issues, though. Yeah. So. And this is, it's Batman... Um, related and Batman is a dark character. You know, he's an orphan essentially. You know, his parents are killed. So his story, although that's like pretty much any Disney film, um, <laughs> starts out very dark, <laughs> um, and it just kind of stays a little dark. Um, but this one, the premise is actually well into the future. Do you know? Is there an actual year or no? I don't know. Uh, I'm sure there is. But it, it, it's actually, I think, more so following the Batman Beyond. Story or oh, yeah, series because it's that's and as I note, Bruce Wayne is in his eighties. Oh, is it, we decided his eighties. Yeah, okay. Much. <laughs> He's definitely walking around with a cane. Seventies, eighties, yeah, around there. And um, so anyway, so it definitely has the Terry McGillis character, who is Batman Beyond, and um, he's kind of the Batman in training, I guess you could say, and um. He is investigating something because it seems like the Joker, who was perceived to be dead, seems to be back. Not only is he back, but he He's, like hasn't aged. Yeah, didn't age. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's really cool, really interesting. So if you like, you know, superhero type things, if you like Batman, if you like animated type things, definitely check it out. So that's my pick of the week. And my little side note is. When we watched The Dark Knight Rises, I so wanted the Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> to be Terry, Terry McGillis. McGinnis. I Or McGinnis. I think I said McGillis earlier, but McGinnis. McGinnis. I so wanted him to be that character. But no, they decided to try to make him a Robin. But no, he totally could have been Terry McGinnis, and the story could have continued. He yep. would have been perfect. But anyway, go ahead. What's your pick okay, of the week? Okay, so my pick of the week, uh, sticking with the animated pick of the week, is uh, Justice League Doom. Oh, you did go with that one. Yes. So, another very Batman-focused one. Yes. That involves a whole bunch of other superheroes. And it, it kind of, I think in a good way, shines why Batman is Batman. As far as his intelligence, his cleverness, Yeah, he's so probably forth. the smartest superhero. Yeah. I mean, may, maybe not may, technically. Many fans, would, many fans would argue Batman against anybody, Batman will win. <laughs> Because he's not afraid to cheat. He's not afraid to do what it takes to win. But he doesn't kill. Yeah, he, but he doesn't kill. Mm -hmm. So I did think it was funny because as we were earlier discussing our picks of the week, and I said, oh, I'm going to go with Return of the Joker. <laughs> and then you were like, ooh, you know. And then you came up with Doom, and I was instantly like, oh, yeah, Doom would have been great. And you're in, in a great Joker form. You're like, well, no takes, Bexies. <laughs> <laughs> so Justice League Doom is also one that's like high on your list as far as animated movies. Yeah. Um, and Maybe I don't, even higher than the Joker. Yeah. Return of the Joker. And I don't want to reveal too much of the plot because I think revealing the plot would instantly reveal some spoilers. But yeah. it's 
it's just, it's done really well. And it's, it's just as league. So you've got Wonder Woman, there's Flash, of course, Batman, Superman, Cyborg. and Cyborg. Yeah. Are they the main ones? Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Okay. Um, and it's just really cool. And, but again, I don't want to dive into the plot because I think it'll instantly reveal spoilers. But definitely a must see. Catch it any way you can. Yes. So let's talk about what's coming soon. What are some of the trailers that we saw with Spider-Man? We first saw Shazam. So why don't you share a little bit about Shazam? Because so, it's a superhero. Yeah, it's, he's a DC superhero. And probably not, unless you're a comic fan, probably not one that's on your radar as far as who he is. But in, in essence, it's a story about a young boy who has noble qualities for a young boy and is granted super abilities by an ancient source. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it as, as vague as that. And he has to say the, the name, right? Shazam? Yes. So, and, and, and almost in the sense why Captain America was picked to be Captain America, he, he's not that because he was a good soldier, but he had this, this um, innocence about him, mm-hmm. which the doctor saw that no one else saw. And it's like, this is a person that is that is deserving of this abilities or, yeah. or these, these he abilities. also had that that hero aspect which i think is interesting because what we were just watching oh well well that's actually a sneak preview for what's to come but anyway um <laughs> but he definitely had a hero quality where he thought yeah. less of him you know not that he didn't think of himself but he thought of the greater good yes so um but anyway so i know at least in the shazam trailer there's a scene where because um, the he guy seems up. to be an or yeah. is he's in the foster system, so he's sticking up for his foster brother, I guess you could say, or temporary brother, uh, who's getting picked on. And so, yeah, you do see him sticking up for the little other guy. people. Well, yeah. anybody, really. Yeah. Um, so it definitely looks fun. I do remember watching some of the Justice League cartoon episodes and or animated. I feel like that's the more mature term <laughs> rather than watching cartoons. Uh, but one of the animated episodes of the Justice League series, and I remember there was that debate, should Shazam be part of the Justice League? Because technically he's just this little boy. Well, actually, I know the scene you're referring to. Uh, they talked about that when they inducted him, that they did not realize oh, that okay, truly he was a little boy. And then, of course, you got the one person, Batman, goes, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so another trailer that we saw that we are super excited about. We were excited the moment we saw a poster for it. It's How to Train Your Dragon oh, 3. Yes. My oh. tagline is, Toothless Gets a Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the How to Train Your Dragon movies, I love the first one. And amazingly, the sequel was, in my opinion, even better than the original, yeah. which a lot of times sequels tend to go down a lot mm-hmm. of times from the original. But it was even more amazing, and I am just super stoked for the third one. Yeah. So it looks like it should be fun. Hopefully it will be just as fun as the others. Yes. Um, they're, they've just been so enjoyable and the toothless is just so fun to watch. I mean, cause toothless <laughs> basically looks like a dog and we like dogs <laughs> and, or acts like a dog and we like dogs. Um, so I am just, but yeah, it, it should be fun. And I like, I never know exactly his name. I think it's Jay Bruchel or something like that, but I do like that actor. I like how he sounds. To me, he sounds like Christian Slater. So they have that similar mannerism <laughs> as they speak. All right. So another movie we saw, kid, The Kid Who Would Be King. So what's this one? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little. I thought you were excited for this one. Are you not uh, excited? I, I'm cautiously excited. All right. You're intrigued. So, intrigued. It's like, what would happen if 
A boy drew the sword out of the stone in today's current time. Okay. So we'll, it, it we'll looks see interesting, what happens. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty much all I know at the moment, and we'll just leave that one at that. All right, and then one, I think the final trailer that we saw that we'll chat about is Holmes and Watson. So this is a reprising of um, the Step Brothers duo and also the Talladega Knights duo of John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. And it's Sherlock and, I, and Holmes in satire, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, so. <laughs> So, to like, an extreme. In the Will Ferrell um, you know, flavor, I guess. So I think Will Ferrell is Holmes, and I think John C. Riley is Watson, I believe. I'm not sure. And, and I, I, was, looks- I was surprised to see your dad chuckle yeah. at watching this trailer, because I was expecting him to, to watch it like, oh, man, they're running home. But he, he was actually giggling through the trailer, to my surprise. Although we should, we should, I am definitely interested in it, because I actually do like them, um, the duo and, and things like that. And I do like... Sherlock Holmes type things of all sorts. Um, however, I am intrigued. I'd be interested to see if that trailer changes because I do remember, I think when we saw the Step Brothers trailer at a PG 13 movie, it was much different when we saw the Step Brothers trailer at a rated R movie. It was mm. like, oh, this became different. <laughs> <laughs> it became dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if Holmes would be like that at all. Um, but I'm definitely interested in it. it it would not be the first um, Sherlock Holmes parody type movie. Um, if you haven't seen Without a Clue, I do recommend that. It's quite fun. Um, it's an older 80s movie, I think, uh, that's parodying Sherlock Holmes. And then I think there's a whole Great Mouse Detective thing, that animated movie, but mm. which I think is supposed to be somewhat funny. But anyway, Holmes and Watson, also coming out too. And now it's time for A Side of Bacon. My favorite part. All right, so last episode... We um, are were, we were connecting Chris Pine to Tom Hanks. Yes. Which I thought was totally interesting, the fact that we're talking about Spider-Man and Chris Pine happened to be one of the Spider-People. Yep, sure was. Um, anyway, so Chris Pine to Tom Hanks. We both got this in two, two movies. movies. Yes. But not the same two movies. But I have to attribute my, my connection with your help that came... Several months ago. Mm-hmm. So, but Do you, you want me to go first? Yeah, you okay. go first. So, my movies are Star Trek and Terminal. You have Chris Pine to Zoe Saldana in Star Trek, and then Zoe to Tom Hanks in The Terminal. But you probably didn't realize until I was watching The Terminal on TV. Yes, and your recently. usual, like, repetitive <laughs> self. That it was just on, like, like, every day for a couple weeks. And then we kind of realized, wow, this is a very early Zoe Saldana film. Yeah. So. And I think what one thing that sticks out to me for that one is, well, A, we were also just watching a Spielberg kind of documentary thing. And yes. it, at some point, I don't think I ever heard them talk about the movie, but I heard them playing the music from the movie. Hmm. And that music, it had a, it, it's a different flavor than most of the other Spielberg films. It's not the grand orchestra. It's more of that Henry Mancini style. And I remember the closing credits, they're playing that through the entire film, but they're writing the signatures. And yeah. I just was picturing Zoe's signature because it was it was fun to see their signatures. All right, so what are your movies? Okay, so some time ago when the movie Wonder Woman first came out mm-hmm. and we were watching the movie, all getting excited. And so, <laughs> we were both giddy, apparently. <laughs> Princess Diana is young and grown up on the Amazon island, and she starts going through her training. And her main friend and teacher, you kind of did a double take, and you said, Is that Robin Wright? And to me, I was like, clueless. Like, 
who's that? And you said you'll know her from as Ginny and... Forrest Gump. Yeah, as Ginny and Forrest Gump. <laughs> so... After we made this connection, I was reminded of that conversation. I was like, well, there you go. You got Chris Pine to Robin Wright in the Wonder Woman movie, and then Ron, Robin Wright to Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. And Robin Wright did an amazing <laughs> job in Wonder Woman. Um, she was quite the warrior. Um, so that was a lot of fun to see her. Yeah, she wasn't definitely wasn't Princess she, Buttercup anymore. She wasn't Princess Buttercup, and she wasn't Ginny either. She was, <laughs> she was definitely a warrior. All right, so I think those are some that was like some good connections. Um, there might I don't know I don't think there's a, a one movie connection. We didn't actually check that, but um, but I think getting them in two two movie connections yeah, are really very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. two is definitely very admirable to do in this game. All right, so for this for our next side of bacon for this episode, what is who's your person? Okay, so. And talking about Spider-Man, I was thinking of past Spider-Man movies. Now I want to pick one from one of the past Spider-Man oh, movies. Okay. And I, I, I was tempted to go with Willem Dafoe. So you were tempted. Yes. But I decided, you know, I'm going to go with even more secu- uh, obscure and make this even a little bit more tough. And I'm going to go with the guy that played the Lizard Man in the amazing Spider-Man I was like John Rise or something like that? Rise Ivins. Rise Ivins. Okay. And if you don't know who he is, of course, he was the Lizard Man in that movie, but he was also the dad of the... And he was the Lizard Man in the Andrew Garfield yes. Spider-Man. Yes, the the second Garfield. one or the first one? The first, first one. one. Okay. Yeah, he was in the first one. And he was also in some of the Harry Potter movies. He was the dad of the creepy girl. Okay. <laughs> I'm not super knowledgeable on the movie, so that's the best I can she describe her. She was a key her. character. She was definitely needed. Key character. And he was also the kicker in the movie The Replacements. Yep. I'm wiry. But interesting also with uh, him being the lizard man, he was playing in the Spider-Man movie Dr. Connors, which is also interesting as one of the aliases of Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Catch Me If You Can. Oh, so interesting okay. little... Tying there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think he was also in Notting Hill. Um, I think he was the roommate for, um, with um, Hugh Grant, his character. But clueless. Yeah. I'm clueless on that. <laughs> I have no idea. But that gets you to Julia Roberts, so she's got connections. Okay. All right. So my person, I decided to, I was thinking about how to train your dragon. Ah. And um, and I really liked the the movie, and I really liked Gerard Butler, and he was in the original, the first one, and then the second one. Um, but so was I was he in, the dad? Yeah, he's the dad. Okay, the king or the whatever. Yeah. Okay. So I went with Gerard Butler, um, just because he's so much fun. I do like him. And then I, we always get fascinated with the fact that we mix them up with people sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> with, like, Javier Bardem yeah. <laughs> and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. For some reason, we combine the three of those sometimes. Especially when we watched P.S. I Love You. I think the whole time we thought, first off, we were like, does Gerard Butler have a twin? But he didn't, you know. Because <laughs> that movie is Gerard Butler. And then at some point, um, Hilary Swank's character meets a friend of the character for Gerard yes. Butler and who looks like the brother or twin of Gerard Butler. But it's, I think, 
I think it was Jeffrey Dean Morgan, but then we were thinking it was Javier Bardem. I don't know. Anyway. So it's confusing. With those three guys. We're getting, we're getting very confused trying to make this connection yes. with all that confusion. They could be, they could play triplets. Um, <laughs> or at least for some reason in our heads, they can. Um, but anyway, so we have Gerard Butler to Rise Ithens. Sorry. <laughs> all right. So Gerard Butler to Rise Ithens. That'll be interesting. Thanks for listening to Movie Shelf. And be sure to hit that subscribe button and share it with your friends. Yeah, and give us that rating. We're on iTunes Podcast now, and we'd love to get your feedback. Um, So we'll catch you next time, you guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.